Welcome to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast, where we go inside what makes a coach a coach. It starts at home with my father. My father was a high school coach, so obviously I was blessed to be put around the game at a very young age and and blessed to have the opportunity to to be in gyms and just be around the game all the time. The Guardians of the Game podcast is a production of the National Association of Basketball Coaches and Learfield IMG College and is brought to you by Wilson Sporting Goods. And now your host, Coach Dave Odom. Welcome back to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast. This is Dave Odom, and I want to tell you I am really excited because not only do I have a great coach uh, that's going to visit with me for the next 30 minutes, uh, but I've got a great friend, somebody that I really respect as a, as a fellow coach in this country. He do, he's done a lot for college basketball, for basketball in general. Uh, he's the head coach of the Clemson Tigers, Brad Brunel. Brad, welcome to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast. Coach, it's a pleasure to be on with you. Looking forward to it. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about your life as a coach and, and your family and the schools that you've been at. And we, and, and we want to kind of integrate into that the, uh, the state of the game in, in basketball today, uh, both on and off the court. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, it sort of begins like most coaches do back in your hometown. You're an Evansville, Indiana native. You grew up in, in a town that revered basketball, Harrison High School, good basketball school. You had a, unlike most of my guests, you probably were not the most famous basketball player <laughs> on your team. You had Calvert Cheney, uh, somebody right. who went on, on to uh, Indiana and, Played on some great teams there, but um, you had a good high school career. Tell us about your beginnings in basketball and how you became interested in it. Well, it, it starts at home with my father. My father was a, a high school coach and a teacher for many years, and so obviously I was blessed to to be put around the game at a very young age and, and blessed to have the opportunity to, to be in gyms and just be around the game all the time. Uh, whether it was at my dad's practices or traveling around with him because I wanted to hang out with my father to go scout a game and in some ways trying to do something, whether it was keep a shot chart or do something to feel like I was contributing at seven, eight, nine years old. That, that's kind of how I got started around basketball. And as you mentioned, growing up in Indiana, Southern Indiana, basketball was was very big. High school coaching was uh, you know, a pretty prominent position. And to be honest with you, Dave, I thought, uh, when I was growing up, that that's probably what I was going to be. It was just a high school teacher and coach. And uh, I even student taught in college. And uh, But I, w- I was very fortunate to be around the game, be around some good coaches. I played for a good high school coach, Gerald Van Devender. Uh, and as you mentioned, Calvert Chaney was, was on my team. I was a senior and Calvert was a sophomore. And uh, we had a pretty good team. And I quickly realized, you know, that there's this sophomore who's a lot better than I am. And so that made me realize I wasn't going to go too far as a player in this game and uh, I was going to be a coach. But, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of things with a lot of good people early in my uh, in my basketball career. So I learned the fundamentals from my father and a good high school coach and uh, and some other people along the way. When I was in college, I went to DePaul University, uh, more famously known because of Brad Stevens being a, a player there several years after I was there. But. I played for a great coach named Royce Walton in there, 
and uh, he was an assistant for Coach Knight at Indiana for five years, and so I learned the ins and outs of the motion offense and how to prepare and man-to-man defense, and, and uh, you know, we had some good teams there, and, and in the summers, I would come home, and I'd work the uh, University of Evansville basketball camp with uh, Jim Cruz, another fellow Coach Knight uh, player and assistant, and uh, so I was just around really good coaches um, throughout my, you know, adolescence and my high school career and my a college career and so I, I really felt like I was a step ahead of some folks and that I was taught the game the right way uh and challenged to, to learn the game the right way by some very demanding and very knowledgeable coaches and so that really helped me uh when I decided to get into coaching um I uh became a graduate assistant uh for coach Cruz at the University of Evansville uh back in 91-92 and quickly learned how difficult the coaching business was and that the NCAA got rid of grad assistants uh, uh, that year in the spring. So I went to the NCAA tournament, had a great experience, and then all of a sudden I lost my job. Uh, they, they weren't going to allow GAs anymore at the Division One level. So I was fortunate. My college coach had then taken a job at the University of Indianapolis, uh, and I went with him uh, as a GA and finished my my grad assistantship there two years later at the University of Indianapolis. So that's kind of how I got got into coaching. Uh, let, let's stop right there because it's something that, that uh, to me was uh, kind of fascinating. I mean, I, I, as you know, I grew up in North Carolina. You're in Indiana. And, um, you know, when I first got my first college coaching job assistant, uh, I was at Wake Forest under the great Carl Tacey. And he sent me out. He said, look, don't ever bring me anybody that can't shoot. I think I made one mistake in that area uh, the whole time in my three years. Uh, but uh, the, uh, he said, look, if you want to find some shooters, you go to Indiana and you go out there for the, uh, the week of um, the Indiana State playoffs. Uh, is, I don't know if it's still true or not, uh, uh, Brad, but back in those days, all of the schools came together. The champions came together in all classifications. Is that not true? Is it still true today? Or not? I think they 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 have classifications now, and they they uh, you know back back then they may not have had classifications. I don't think they, they did. Just, they, they just played for one state champion, so everybody came together, and it was a spectacle. It's still a pretty big spectacle, but now it's class basketball. Uh, they do all come together and and, and play for state championships. Uh, it has lost a little bit, maybe of its luster from the the old days, but. Uh, there's a lot of good things about the new way as well with more kids getting the opportunity to win and play in state championships and all that. Well, and the other thing that always impressed me is some of the best teams in the state came from the rural areas. It wasn't always right. Indianapolis or Evansville even. or right. it, it, Some of those rural areas, man, they would come in, and I would go to the schools where they were, and they had these huge gymnasiums. I mean, six, seven 8,000, uh, and you go there on a Tuesday night, the darn thing would be full, and you'd wonder where the people came from. Yeah, sometimes the the the, uh, the gyms were bigger than the towns. That's right. And, uh, yeah, that, that was those were the glory days. And, and I think it's still they still draw reasonably well at certain places. It's, it's changed a little bit now with more games on TV and everything that's going on. But, uh, yeah, that's, that, that was how I grew up. 
and uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Let's talk a, a little bit about Royce Waltman. Now, I, I, I knew Royce. Uh, I guess he went on and became an assistant in Indiana later on. Is yep. that right? Yeah. I think, yeah, and that's where I met him. I mean, we. He was a high school coach in Pennsylvania, very successful, had a, had a good player that Coach Knight recruited, and he always told the story that he didn't get the player. The player, I think, went to Penn State, but he got Coach Waltman instead. So uh, ended up working out pretty well for him. Coach, Coach Waltman was there from 1982 to 87, uh, culminating in their national championship uh, run there in 87, and he helped coach with the Olympic team with him and uh, just a terrific basketball mind. And uh, uh, I was very blessed to play for him at DePaul University. He left Indiana and took our job at DePaul uh, there about 45 minutes uh, uh, near Bloomington, outside of Bloomington, Indiana, where IU is. And, and uh, we had some really good teams, played for the national championship at Division Three. My junior year, uh, but he was he was an outstanding coach and someone that I owe a great deal to. What did he? Uh, how did he influence you? I mean, was he his specialty? Defense, passing game. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, it was a lot. He, I mean, certainly he knew Coach Knight's motion offense in and out. Um, I think as much as anything, game planning and and figuring out how to scout and how to win and you know, create defensive game planning and things of that nature were probably very instrumental, uh, something that I've taken with me. And then just really how to build a team uh, and coach a team and approach different things. Uh, he was a very bright guy, demanding coach, um, but really knew how to utilize personnel and get the best out of his personnel. And and uh, I always tell the story that uh, – I was a, I was crazy because I was six three in college, and I played Division three basketball, and I was our point guard, and our center I think was six five, and our power forward was six four. So that's that's Division three basketball. We had a bunch of guys from different parts of the state, all pretty well skilled and good players, knew how to play. But we won a game one time, sixty nine to sixty, and only three guys scored. <laughs> we had, uh, and I wasn't one of them. Uh, we had a we had a guard who's about five eleven who could really play. He was our best player probably, and I think he had thirty. And then we had an inside guy who was about six four, but really crafty. He could score with both hands, shoot the ball really well. I think he had thirty. And then we had another guy who was like a six two guard that ran around and he could just shoot the lights out of. Him. He made threes like crazy, and I think he made three threes. And we won sixty nine sixty. Two guys had thirty. One guy had nine. And me and the other guy that started, we didn't have anything. We we knew, we probably took two shots between us. Coach, coach let us know right away. These you guys, my buddy was the guy that was supposed to screen for those three, and I was the one that was supposed to pass. And uh, it worked out pretty well. We won a bunch of games playing that way. All right, and then uh, for the next twelve years, you uh, you kind of got out of your comfort area geographically, and you went into a very interesting time uh, in your life uh, from a coaching standpoint. Um, you took the job at, um, as an assistant at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and, and there was this strange character that was the head coach. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and I know he kept things shook up because he worked for me for a number of years, and he's still good friends to both of us, and that was Jerry yeah. Wainwright. But you go there as an assistant, and you're there with, with Jerry for about eight years. Um, right. He leaves to go to the University of Richmond, 
uh, after about eight years and you take over as the head coach at, uh, right. at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. You carved out an 83 and 40 record, I think is what I remember. And uh, my goodness, you, you just had, you had a really good takeoff uh, as a head coach there. Um, we could spend all day talking about <laughs> your time uh, spent with Jerry Wainwright. I don't want to do that, but I do want to give him some credit for, for helping you. How did he yep. help you? Uh, <laughs> maybe he just yep. brought a, a measure of levity to your life. I don't know. <laughs> no, he was great. And I'm, you know, uh, forever in debt to coach Wainwright for hiring me. Uh, there was a guy named Will Ray that worked at, at, at Evansville and then was the head coach in Loyola, Chicago, where you know Coach Wainwright's from Chicago. They were high school coaches together and coached against each other. And he recommended me to Jerry. When Jerry got the job, Jerry had left Wake Forest there and took over as the new head coach at Wilmington. We didn't know each other. And, and he just kind of took took a recommendation on me. And I went and interviewed, and, and we hit it off. Uh, a couple of Midwest guys that, you know, believed in defending and and hard work and preparation and, and – uh, it was a real pleasure to work for Jerry for eight years. He did an unbelievable job at UNC Wilmington. And uh, I learned a lot from him about how to run a program. You know, he was, he was really um, just did an unbelievable job of, of speaking to our players, of building a culture, of, of working with boosters to create interest in our program, selling our program, and, and really making UNCW a, ter- a terrific place and a, a good basketball job. We won a couple championships there with him. Uh, under his leadership and uh he just was uh he was outstanding for me and uh you know he he then took the richmond job and i was very fortunate to take over for him uh at unc wilmington and i was left with a very good team some guys that i'd recruited certainly some guys he recruited uh and we just uh it was a very good situation for me and we had very good teams went to the ncaa tournament two out of my four years there and it really helped uh my career get off to a great start and you were named uh, Coach of the Year in the league there in uh, 03, 06, uh, through that period of time there, and you sustained that program. And, you know, they pretty much have been really good uh, even after you guys have left. You know, Kevin, Kevin Keats at North Carolina State, uh, you know, came out of that program as well. Yep. He, he did a great job there in a short period of time, and uh, that paid dividends uh, for him as well. You just, you just played Kevin here a, a week or so ago as – that's right. Uh, as you remember, I was there. Uh, do you, you guys uh, exchange any Wilmington stories, or you just wait till <laughs> you get to ACC time to do that? Yeah, you know what? Uh, we did a, a couple times there, right when he kind of broke back into the league, and when I when he took the job at UNC Wilmington, he saw me and sat me down for a good hour and and asked my thoughts on the job and you know what what we did that went well and what he needed to be concerned about and things of that nature and. You know, like you are, Coach, anywhere you've been, you want to see them continue to do well. And, and it was good to see Kevin have some success there. And, you know, we're now pulling for C.B. McGrath, who's the, who's the new coach at UNC Wilmington, been there a couple of years now. And, um, but, yeah, we, we've talked a little bit about our time there together, certainly. Okay. Uh, then you made a strange move to me. You moved back up north. Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you got you go back to Wright State, and of course I'm kidding there, yeah. but uh, I'm sure it was a great yeah. opportunity. But you, you go up there and you stay. Uh, uh, I don't know what was it, four or five years four there. Years. You run up yeah. 84 and 45 record there. You get that uh, 
in, in position to move forward. Uh, so uh, quickly about the Wright State job and, and how you experienced yeah. that. Yeah, it was an interesting time in my life. There had been some administrative changes at Wilmington and maybe just didn't see eye to eye with a few folks as things were, uh, you know, progressing. And so we got an opportunity to, to go back towards where I'm from. I went to Dayton, Ohio, and, and uh, uh, a program that I thought had a chance to, to do well. And I uh, was very fortunate to take over a, uh, another pretty good situation. I had a good group of guys. We brought in a couple of really good players and, and had a lot of success right away. We went to the NCAA tournament, um, 120 games for four years. And, and Dayton's a very good basketball town, as you know. And uh, Wright State had some good facilities. And uh, we had pretty good interest in our program, recruited some good players. And that was a really good four-year experience for me because it was really – chance for me to kind of take over a program you know from scratch uh when i took over at wilmington i was taking over for jerry and and the place was in great shape and it was probably an easier trend much easier transition this was a little bit different i had to do some things uh you know uh differently and and i had to kind of cut my own teeth uh cut my teeth in a different way in terms of creating the the culture of the of the program the way i wanted it bring in some different kinds of players and set some standards and do different things and, and create a booster group that was supportive of us. And so it was really a good experience for me. Uh, I learned a lot, grew professionally in a lot of ways. The people there administratively were fantastic and treated us really well. And, you know, we were surprisingly able to have success right away. And, and uh, so I had a really good four-year experience at Wright State. And then you hit the mother load. Here you are. You got an ACC school calling you down at Clemson. Clemson's a school that has had uh, periodic success in basketball, but never has been able to sustain it for a long period of time. I've had some great coaches there, all of which I know and uh, respect and and love. I mean, you look at uh, Bill, going back as far as Bill Foster and, and, um, you know, Cliff Ellis and, you know, yeah. you can, you just, it just goes on and on and on. And it, it's got a good basketball tradition, but it uh, just weren't able to sustain it. It's in a yeah. tough league. There's a lot of reasons not to succeed, but you've said there's a lot of reasons to succeed. Um, yeah. You've been there, yeah. you know, now, nine what, years, uh, nine, ten this years? Nine. Yeah, this is my ninth season. Uh, I have enjoyed it tremendously. Um, you know, have really tried to do a lot of work to, to build the program really from the inside. Uh, just, you know, we've, we've really kind of created a, a fairly strong booster group now with basketball. There's always been the Yipte group and, and uh, everybody obviously very involved in football and obviously what Dabo's done here, just remarkable with two national championships. And But trying to carve out our own niche in basketball is something that we've worked really hard for. Uh, in my nine years here, we we raised a bunch of money and and improved our facilities tremendously. A couple years back, uh, that took a lot of work. The first five or six years on the job of just going out and you know creating uh, some good fellowship and getting some folks to want to support basketball. And I uh, spent some time, a lot of time, away from the court and away from recruiting to kind of do that. And uh, I think it's it's made a big difference in our program here. The last couple years, we've we got this beautiful practice facility. We've renovated Little John Coliseum, and uh, hopefully we're starting to see the, the fruits of some of that labor. Um, obviously coming off a Sweet 16 season last year where we had a great group of guys that 
that played extremely well and just trying to build a consistently good program and as you know coach in an incredibly difficult league the ACC but proud of what we've been able to accomplish at at Clemson uh, a lot of good young men have played for me that that have done really well and uh, you know really feel like we've done some good things to help put the program in a good place and I have a lot of good administrators that have been very helpful in my journey here and my time here and uh, family loves living down here. It's a great place. My uh, oldest daughter is a junior at Clemson, and my youngest daughter, uh, a senior in high school, just got her acceptance letter yesterday. So we're we're super excited about that. My goodness, uh, and, you know, as as I look coach. at we're all in. <laughs> as I look as I look at Clemson as a uh, from a pr- professional standpoint, when you go recruiting, uh, there are like four areas that I would think that you would be concerned about. Uh, you know, the university itself, I'm, and I, yeah. I use the word concerned, I don't mean that. I mean it, yeah, that you try to highlight, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, one of them is the university. Clemson's a great university. Uh, yeah. Academically, it's a terrific university. Um, it's uh, one of the two biggest universities in the state of South Carolina, and you got a lot to sell there from an academic standpoint. That's one. Geography. Geography is important there because you're you're uh, yeah but yeah football's big there and all, but you're in a basketball league, um, and yeah. so you you know you really have a lot to sell from that standpoint. And and the ACC is, you know, by all accounts, um, probably the number one league in the country year in mm-hmm. and year out. And then you do have Clemson football to help you. And yeah. I think – I know you are. You're, you're smart enough to use football and not abuse it. I mean, not try to abuse Correct. it. Correct. How do you tie all of that together when you go recruiting? I mean, it is uh, – you, you've got a lot to sell there, um, but I think it begins with the university itself. Yeah, it does. And I think that's the biggest thing for us, uh, Dave, is if we can get folks on this campus um, – Clemson is just a unique, special place. I really believe it. Uh, some of it is because of the nature of our school. We're a town of 20,000 people, and we've we got about 20,000 students as well. So, and, and that's grown. That's up from when I first got here nine years ago when we were 14 or 15, 16,000. Now we're just right around 20. But that whole unique college setting of this small college town with uh, – an ACC-level sports team, a tremendous university in Clemson. And because of the nature of it, I, I just think there's a family feel that really lends itself to this place, and the people here are what make Clemson as special as any place. Is, uh, we just have great people. And because we're in this small college town, we see each other more frequently than most. Um, you know, the president of our university sits right behind our bench at games, and and you see him around campus, and you see Dabo in town, and you see your history professor and business professor. And uh, and so we, we really have this intimate relationship. People are here to help. Uh, and I think when we get folks on campus and they spend some time at Clemson, you really get this family feel that is genuine. And uh, it's not – people aren't putting on airs. And uh, I think that's something that, that really goes a long way for families that want to put their, their son or daughter in a great environment. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I love it for my family. Uh, so that's a great situation. Uh, obviously, the academic uh, component of Clemson is is outstanding, and the degree and the value of a degree 
is is incredible. Uh, and then obviously we play in an unbelievable league, uh, the ACC, which obviously young people are uh, want to play against the best. Uh, you have tremendous exposure. You're challenged by great coaches, and you get to play in these great venues. And so there's a lot to sell. And as you mentioned, geography, we're in a good place. We're we're close to Atlanta. We're close to Charlotte. Uh, we can get to to all different kinds of places. We can get to D.C. and Florida and, and a bunch of different areas where there's a lot of good players. And so we certainly feel like we have a great opportunity to have a really good program here if we select the right kind of kids that, that fit what we're trying to do. You got any idea where your president graduated from? It might be Maryland, Baltimore County. Not might be. It is. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's hear it from Maryland, Baltimore County. Right. Come on. That's right. Retrievers, right? <laughs> That's it. I, uh, uh, when the famous game was, was held, the next week I was in touch with the president at UMBC, and uh, he said I got a, one of the first phone calls he got was from the president of Clemson University, who was That's prouder right. than Clemson. proud that day. Oh, he, so I, I just happened to, yeah, and a terrific, terrific guy. I mean, yeah, he he's terrific. In all he loves you. He does. <laughs> all right, look, I want to push along here because a couple of things I, I want to get before we got to let you get down to, to your basketball practice. Um, you got an important phone call from your AD, who I know you like, Dan Ranikovich. Well yep. thought of on your football committee and just uh, yes, really, really does a great job. Loves you, loves basketball. You got an important phone call, had an important meeting with him. Uh, he awarded you and you accepted a six-year contract, um, uh, $15 million, a lot of money there, um, which kind of stabilizes the basketball situation and you, you and your family yep. there. Um, that was important to you, was it not? It was. It was. Um, and I was greatly appreciated uh, because we put a lot of hard work into this place. Uh, and as you well know, Dave, you, you got to do so much behind the scenes. It's not even sometimes recruiting and and in uh, basketball. You're just trying to you're trying to build a, a niche for your program. You know, you're trying to find a group of folks that that want to support you and you know, one of the things when I first got here, we didn't have we didn't have people sitting courtside. We didn't have we didn't have club seating. We didn't have you know. And part of the reason was I don't think they felt like people at Clemson would support it if they if they set all that stuff up. And so we did a lot of work to to create these folks and basketball boosters that really wanted to support basketball. And there's a lot of folks out there that do and 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 do an unbelievable job. And so it's helped it's helped create a culture in our program. It's helped. Uh, Helped us do some special things. We've taken our team to Italy and eight years ago, and in four year, couple years back, we went to Spain and and we took taken boosters with us and just had great experiences. And all that's important because it's allowed us then to to ask for more money to build a, a terrific facility for our program. And and as you well know, you got to have those kinds of things to compete. And so I think Dan recognized all that. You know, it culminated with last year's Sweet 16 run and. And a lot of success that came with last year's team, but there was a lot of hard work that had that had been done in the five, six, seven years previous to that to put us in a position to try to have some good teams and and uh, and to have a really good program. And so uh, my family and I love it here. My wife Paula, our two girls, we 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 just love living here. I love coaching at Clemson. I believe in the school and the values of what it stands for, and this place just really fits me. And uh, and so to be rewarded with a, a contract extension was uh, 
quite an honor for me and, and something that I'm very proud of and happy about. Brad, I want to spend one time talking about, uh, just a moment, talking about today's game, the way the game is played. I don't – I, you know, I'm out of it, and, it, and of course, just like anybody else, it was always better when I was in it. Now, you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> and so I, I say that as kind of a uh, – you know – you know, kind of, a, I don't know, just to explain the way I'm feeling here. Yeah, but it sure. bothers me there's so much pick and roll. I don't think coaches teach it. I think they draw it on a board and say, all right, you, you, you pick and roll. I don't think they teach it. I don't think they know how to do it. Players don't. Um, everybody's playing four out and one in. Uh, everybody's shooting the three till they prove they can't. Um, and very few people are playing with low post players. Now, Clemson ex- – Ex, uh, accepted here. You got the big Thomas yep. kids you're playing yep. inside, and you go to him when you have to have him. Tell me, am I wrong about all of that, or is <laughs> is everybody just uh, uh, everybody just said, look, we're going to imitate the NBA this year. This is what this is what's well, happening. Well, I, I do think there is some of that, uh, Coach. I do think that you know uh, there is some of that imitation and and spacing the floor, spreading the floor out and shooting more threes, and the pick and roll with the spacing is probably one of the more efficient ways to space the floor and shoot threes if you believe in that. I know you're kind of the, the – you're more of the power game. You know, let's run power. Let's punch it into Timmy Duncan. Let's get it into Rodney Rogers. Let's use our size and strength and physicality. And believe me, I I love a lot of that part of the game as well, and, and I was raised in, to do some of that. And as you mentioned with our, our young man, Elijah Thomas, we, we certainly try to get the ball to him a good bit. But I do think that the three-point shooting is, is a big reason why the game has gone to more pick and roll, more spacing. And obviously there's more people taking more threes than ever before. And I think some of that is because the kids growing up these days have grown up shooting the three and probably shoot it better. More kids can shoot the ball better than, than have in the past, and that's part of, of the way the game has gone and why coaches are coaching the way they are now. I got, uh, I've got one more thing I want to ask you. I'm doing this because my producer is Michael Serber, and there is nobody more proud of Clemson uh, than is he. He, wants, <laughs> he, he has two questions. He wants to know if you've got a big or what's your favorite Dabo story, and the second thing is – who in the world is dressing you now with the, all these fancy coats you got? Where are you getting all of those things? He loves them. He wants to go down and buy one himself. <laughs> well, uh, part of my take for, for dressing nice comes from my time with Jerry Wainwright. Coach oh, Wainwright, was, he was a clothes horse now. And uh, he uh, – so I, there's no doubt that that's part of his impact on me is making sure that I try to look respectable over there on the sideline. You know, if you can't coach against Coach K and Roy Williams and Jim Baham, all those all those guys on the side, you got to try to look good over there, Coach. It's hey. hard to hard to coach against those guys. So, well, you can do both. Uh, I've tried to do a little bit of that. Uh, you know what? There is not one. There's not one Dabo story you can you can have. Uh, I will tell you this: he he is just what you see. Uh, he's a genuine guy, and uh, he's as positive and as anybody you'll meet. Uh, he's his life story is a tremendous one of what he's overcome and and how what he's done here has just been remarkable. He's he came about a year 
Well, he was the head coach, got named interim coach after being an assistant here for several years, about a year before me. And so I've kind of watched him grow that program to, to an unbelievable level. And uh, he just works really hard at it every day. Uh, he's about as positive a person as I've ever seen. If you go play golf with him, it's a little frustrating because he takes a practice swing before every, every shot, and it's like a full practice swing. And God bless him if he doesn't think. He's got 93, and we're on the 16th tee, and he's convinced that the 16th hole is going to be the birdie hole. I mean, he's 93 shots do not deter him when he's on the 90, getting ready to hit his 94th on the top of the 16th tee. <laughs> he thinks that's going to be the best one yet, and it's invariably whatever happens next, the next shot is going to be the best one after that. So he's just an unbelievably positive guy, fun to be around, uh, loves basketball, plays noontime ball, comes to as many of our games as he can, was actually a very good high school basketball player, Coach. He scored a bunch of points over there at Pelham High School, and so uh, he's a good friend and uh, a guy that I have a lot of respect for. Well, that's a great story. That So you did have a good Dabo story after all. <laughs> I want to take just a second in closing to thank everyone for tuning in to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast and our visit with a real champion. I mean, a real champion, Brad Burnell, head coach of the Clemson Tigers. Thanks to everyone for being with us. Good luck to you, Brad, and your Tigers for the rest of the season. And for those listening and those that want to know more about the NABC, all you have to do is visit nabc.com.